Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Westy and Sam. And boy, oh boy, is I'm glad that these days that I have a podcast so we can chat because there's a lot to, lot to cover in the past couple of days, uh, all revolving around Munster and Connacht uh, in the game on Saturday. But first of all, Westy, how are you? How was your weekend? Um, my weekend was good. Um, went out for a winter swim. Um, winter swim a winter swim yeah even though it's autumn yeah whatever autumn swim it's pretty <laughs> fucking cold man I'm counting as a winter swim you get your dry did you get your dry robe thing did you uh, I got my dry robe in pennies oh yeah for a third of the price that everyone else pays for them and it is delightful what what is what describe to people what is it again it's just a massive basically like a giant basically. waterproof fleece jacket that is far too big for any human to actually fit into Supposedly, you come out of the sea, you dry yourself off quickly, then you put on this massive warm jacket, and life is good. It's like a big hug. But uh, <laughs> supposedly, if you fall in the water wearing it, you're done for. It it just absorbs water so much, it's so heavy that you're done. Like you're meant to be really careful with them. That's the only thing I know about them. Well, I had mine in the car, and I put it on after I get out of the water. So I thought that was pretty safe. That's pretty safe. That's you just you just be careful, Westy. But safe enough. If anything happens to you, I don't know what I'd do with myself, Westy. So no. please be careful, okay? Yeah. Uh, Sam, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed, enjoyed watching the match, actually. Like, regardless of the result, I actually thought it was a, a, an enjoyable match. It was one of those ones, you know, you get excited about watching it. And then kind of just did a few bits and bobs around and then played a round of golf yesterday. So on the whole, yeah, I can't complain. It was a nice enough autumn weekend. Not a, not a winter swim weekend, but an autumn golf weekend, so... Yeah, me, me and Sam launched some bombs yesterday in Craigmore Park. Uh, and by bombs, I mean... We mean like twenty yards where they don't really know where they're going to land, but they're going places. Yeah, it's more the threat of the bomb rather than actual bombs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're like, oh, this could be 300 yards. It's not. It's not. It never is. Um, my weekend was good. I had a hot date on Saturday in Limerick. A certain Owen Harrison, a.k.a. Over the Hill Prop, a.k.a. Sam. Um, we, uh, we met for the first time in person uh, after what over a year of knowing each other a year and a half maybe quite the romance uh and we watched the, the game together in Tone park my first time in Tone park is it impressive a stadium as i thought it was going to be the atmosphere was fantastic for was it 75 percent capacity i think at the moment yeah, i think it was about 17 or nineteen thousand. i think i remember yeah really good well spread out we great seats again thanks to owen and it was good like i was the only kind of connect fan within i think at least at least shouting distance because i couldn't hear much else around me and, and i gave it the big one i when carthy crossed over i can guarantee i was standing up nice. shouting but no one no one you know like got annoyed at me and at the end they all said hard luck and whatnot so right. um everything about being at the game was was a great experience um the, uh, owen's wife was convinced he was meeting a young one um <laughs> Because he was heading down to Limerick to meet a podcast friend. I'm doing air quotes there. Uh, this is what the wife was thinking. But no, it was just me. I'm 27. Does that count as a young one anymore? I don't think it does, does it? Yeah, we'll give it to you. Just just for the sake but of the But one thing's for sure, I'm a looker though. We're all agreed there, right? Oh, yeah. We're all agreed. Certain. Westy, I'm going to need you to agree with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Thank you. I appreciate it. I still get it. lost in your eyes. <laughs> I know. But, uh, Thank you very much. The stadium itself, like, Tolman... I've been to a couple of games there and I've also I worked there at concerts and stuff. It's it's such an impressive small stadium. Like, you know, you, you see your Avivas and your Crow Parks all the time. But the one thing that stood to me, like selling programs in Thoman Park was how steep the actual stands are. Like you, you're very close, even if you're up the nosebleeds, which is uh, impressive for a small stadium. Like it's 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 brilliant. Uh, 
and it's something that like kind of the sports ground and the potential redevelopment and we hope will happen and we've been reassured that it will is still going to happen hopefully it's it's anything like that you know it'll be, it'll be brilliant yeah even like the you know the park was great in uh, lit uh, which was a fiver i didn't know that i only had three euro on me so i do owe monster rugby two euro uh so i will revolute that on yeah, they, whatever is the handiest you have to afford to resign snyman now until you send that down <laughs> yeah the two euro uh well i didn't know at the time so the person who was on the car park thank you very much for letting me through um not helping the calvin stereotype at all but <laughs> sure look uh i will pay it back i probably won't but uh, that's that's where the happy kind of moments ended. Uh, we'll get stuck into the game. Munster coming out on top, 20 points, 18. Um, I'm interested to kind of hear your guys' take on as well, because when you're at a game, it's not as easy to kind of see, like, the, the try, the controversial try at the time, obviously, in the, in the stadium, we have no idea that it's offside or, uh, or anything like that. So it's not until you kind of finish the game or the game's over and you see on Twitter and whatnot. So it, it's it's different from watching it at, at home, obviously. So, but we'll get stuck into it. Westy, it's, it was, it was a heartbreaking result. Like Connacht played so well and to come out of it, not getting the full, you know, the, the winning points. It, it was just, it was a kind of a gut punch, wasn't it? Yeah. And to concede in the last kind of, you know, the last three minutes of the game as well, it kind of just leaves you without much time to retaliate. Um, it's a shame. I thought for large portions of the game, we were the better team. Um, I think it was kind of, it, there was a similar problem that we saw early in the Dragons game where we weren't really taking all of the chances that were given to us. Um, now, there's a couple of reasons for that, but, um, you know, I, I just mean it in a sense that, like, Rob's going to go back and talk about the try at half time, but at the same time, I'm not going to say we lost it there. There were definitely other opportunities for us to build a bit of a, a better lead. Um, I think that, I think it was, as Sam said earlier, like, it was a really good game to watch. I thought it was really entertaining. It was really interesting. Um, I thought a lot, there was a lot of really good individual performances as well as a much better team performance by Connacht. And at the end of the day, again, if like if we had won the Dragons in the Cardiff game and got a losing bonus point in Munster, you'd be relatively okay with that. It, it's just put under a microscope now because we have we are we've, we're one and four in the league, and you know the opposition isn't getting much easier for the next couple of weeks. So I'm definitely. Um, a lot more confident than I was after losing to the Dragons, but there's definitely still a long way to go for us. But um, it's just our lack of clinicality that still kind of seems to keep us just off these games that we say too many times that we could have won that game and we were in it. We were in a position where we could have won it and just little things maybe just don't seem to go our way or little things just don't click in the right way that get us over the line. Yeah, it's. I was saying to Owen actually after the game, if you had told me before the game like we'd play really well and get a losing bonus point, I probably would have been happy enough with it. But it was the manner and what we lost and how good they actually did play to lose that it was really heartbreaking then. But Sam, well, I know you were watching it like kind of half an hour after you know the actual TV. So how was that? Yeah, well, I started on time and then I went media blackout because I kind of wanted to. Uh, I had to put dinner together and stuff uh, kind of midway through the first half. So it was, yeah, it was a bit strange and going, going off my usual kind of Twitter rant uh, reactionary kind of thing. But I'd say the followers uh, probably appreciated not having to listen to me giving out. But no, as a as a spectacle, even though it wasn't necessarily the best game, you know, the, the, the elements, I believe it was really rainy until just up to kickoff and it looked greasy. Like the actual, the rugby played wasn't, the best but the spectacle was there because of how much bite was in it because of kind of how tight it was the entire time because of the even just the narrative the the underdog the like we were what uh, plus 16 by the bookies we, we were kind of given 
that we were going to ship that. So it was it was a brilliant performance. Even the stats stacking up against us shows how good a performance it was because they had a lot of territory, a lot of possession. But I don't think that outside of the tries that they got, I don't really remember much from them in terms of threatening. Uh, I think that the try came, you know, the the offside or whether or not it was offside, whatever we want to talk about that later. But that that try came from a, a kind of a kick because they were just out of ideas. They couldn't get past the 12, 13 channel at all. And that was just kind of playing really aggressively, playing with super line speed, playing like relentless. Uh, and then I think that some of the stuff that we did with the ball was very good. I think some of the strike plays were brilliant. I think the lineout was really strong. I was super impressed with the scrum like it faltered at the very start and then once again uh throughout the entire game but looking at the two packs before the game my biggest worry was just lacking a little beef in the second row because you have Olton who is big but he's not the biggest like he's not a big like John Klein or a level feet or a Quinn Root and then you have Niall Murray who you know he's he's getting bigger by the day but he's still very very young in second row uh terms and very inexperienced in terms of what he was playing against but they played they played stellar performances and you know Watching it behind everyone else was grand because I was off Twitter and I was watching, I was concentrating on it and frustrating elements to the game. And we'll talk about them later on. But, you know, you, you couldn't really decide right now to pick out one player or two players individually to talk about how good they were because I was actually so impressed by, I think it was 22 players we used. I don't believe Tom Daly got on. I can't remember him coming on at any point, which is probably good for his legs as well. So, you know, of the 22, I don't think that there was a bad performance at all from Connacht. Uh, and Carrick, he said it afterwards. He said, that's the benchmark. That's what they know they can do. And it's it's tapping into that mental side of things and allowing them to get there against the non-interprovincial rivals and allowing them to build up to that because you know we, we've less resources in Connacht. Having to play a 9 out of 10 week in, week out is the way that you're going to compete. Munster can play a 6 out of 10, 6.5 out of 10 like they did at the weekend and still eke out wins because they just have resources they have the back and they had the emotion of the night as well. It was an absolute cauldron. Like I was so jealous of you, just the, uh, the atmosphere looked amazing. And it was that, that was partly to do with the five-year anniversary of Axel as well. So. Yeah, it was, a, you know, obviously a special night for Munster, emotional night, obviously five-year yeah, anniversary of Axel. And Connacht had a lovely presentation of the number eight jersey with Axel on it from, from Jack to, to um, Peter Mahoney. Um, the you know stand up and fight that they played right before kickoff was was I'd say it was incredible. It was you know the whole fans got into it. It was it was special and you know um you know credit to them for that. Uh, we'll ta- we'll get on to Jack uh, later on because I want to talk about him and obviously the Irish kind of ten jersey. But um, uh, you mentioned Niall Murray. He's really become a weapon in defensive lineouts. He, he was I don't know how I can't how many balls he actually. You know, interfered with or, or got a hand on in, in the Munster lineouts, but it was definitely three or four. Um, he's a real weapon to have there, and he's becoming such a good player for Connacht when you think he's only what in his third full year, I think now. Yeah. Um. Uh. But but the the main ma- kind of want to talk to you about Westy is, you know, the problem with Bundy, uh, Aki obviously is the fact that he's on so many Irish teams and the lines that he do- he's not always there, and then you can kind of forget. You know, you see how good Tom Day and Tom Farrow are. You're like, oh, you know, Bunny's coming back, but you know, it might not make that much of a difference. But he is such a player. Like, you know, he made so many yards on so many carries. The first, I think, it was the first two or three minutes. Connacht made a break, and it was purely because of the threat of Bundy on the outside. Munster overcommitted players, and it, it kind of opened up a gap. I can't remember who it was for, but you know, when you see him like that, having not played in the last ten weeks, it was an impressive night for Bundy. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, again, in a certain regard, it's almost like he never left. You know, he slots right back in. I think he's such a, he's clearly such a, a visible force in the team that even though he's, um, even though he's not like playing necessarily, you know, we've seen videos, especially last year in the NBA stadiums of him cheering on in the side, in the, on the sidelines in the stadium. Um, he's definitely still a presence of training and it's not like he's not around the squad, even though he's not you know, necessarily playing. Um, but as you say, it, it's not even about, um, you know, sometimes he gets kind of misunderstood by the Irish audience as a whole as kind of a battering ram that goes up and then he gets kind of slack when he doesn't break through tackles and doesn't um, make mad yards in every carry. But what he does do is he forces at least two players to commit to him, often three. So by him carrying up, he actually further creates space uh, in other areas, and just like you said, if he's he's if he's the man outside, you're going to drift and cover the man outside, and 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 every open up a gap um, in the middle. So that presence of self on the pitch not only boosts confidence from within the ranks because he is such a, a, a character in the squad, it also means that you have to have one or two of the defensive team have to keep an eye on him because he is such a threat. If he does build up ahead of steam, he is going to gain a couple of yards. Um, and yeah, I think. I think it was a great welcome back for him. You know, we we were talking about it earlier in the week and we were thinking, would he start or not? And I think me and Sam both kind of agreed that if it wasn't for the injury to Farrell, we kind of thought maybe Bundy would come off the bench at some point and kind of add an impact uh, later on in the game. But um, no, it was great to see him hit the ground running. And again, as I say, as if he was never gone in a lot of regards. Yeah, 100%. He just slotted straight back in. Um, who else kind of Sam impressed you? you kind of, we already mentioned it, but everyone's having a good game. Obviously, it wasn't it wasn't really a game for the likes of Portree Like it wasn't a wingers kind of day. You know, the, between the weather and just the style of plays, it was never going to be that kind of a day uh, for the wingers and stuff. But were you happy with the pack's performance against? Like you know, when you play a monster, it's, you know you're going to come up against a big pack. Were you happy with how they got on? Yeah, I really was. I said that uh, earlier. I was really impressed with especially the second row is being able to lock it down. Like, I think it was the first scrum. Maybe they got a free kick after two or three scrums, and that was about eight. Then there was another one where Bielham buckled in. Uh, but other than that, you know, like seeing the kind of monster uh, fans and their predictions for the game, it was it was more of a, like a monster force was going to be the winning of the game for them. And I, I think that the winning of the game for them may have been that, but I don't think it was significant. I think that the, the pack showed up. I think that they hit really hard i think that they worked really well on the breakdown i thought the ref was peculiar in his refing of the breakdown i don't think he asked a player to release before going over the ball once there was so many tacklers were straight in over the ball and second man up were straight in over the ball and the ref let it play and both teams benefited from that both teams were getting kind of turnovers like oliver got one or two where he was definitely he hadn't released he hadn't clearly released the player but he was down over it and they had one or two as well uh you have burn and jean klein and clote like to just they're animals on the ground and they just they're they're so hard to rock against and they were really they were dangerous and they were they were keeping it dangerous there's once or twice we got isolated but not on the whole the pack was definitely super impressive i think we, we will talk about carty because he was the man of the match by far he was the significant he was standout player on the pitch uh by a country mile i reckon uh the centers were so dangerous i thought mac hansen was brilliant i thought he he got involved even when it was a boring day for wingers i think he really cut in he, he cut that line that you were talking about the off the first phase very start of the game uh, and I thought other than the Peter O'Mahony challenge in the air I thought he was it was a fairly flawless game from him again he's been impressive and then you know your forwards Bealham continues to impress I don't know why he's not talked about more outside of Connacht in terms of the Irish team like he's he's, he's been in Irish teams coaches obviously like him he's much bigger than people give him credit I think people think because Connacht's pack is lighter in general 
that that means that our players are all significantly smaller than other players. But I think Bielham is an absolute monster. He's unbelievable with the ball. He carries well. I thought between himself, Burke, who, who's really shown this year so far, really very strong. Heffernan was good. Uh, and then McGrath and Masterson to come in at a, for a scrum straight away with like five minutes to go in second row and prop on our own kind of five, 10 meter line. And I know they scored a couple of phases later in and around the same area of the pitch, but that scrum was solid and it held it and it did what it needed to do. So yeah, really, really impressed with the forwards uh, just as a whole, even when like Delahunt came on outside of one poor line out there, they were brilliant. And it's, it's too hard to kind of pick out individual performances, but I will say that I said it last week and the week before that Oliver, in my opinion, needs to start Uh love uh, Jared Butler. Brilliant player is definitely going to come back into the, the form we know he can do. I thought he had a good impact when he came on, but Oliver is just playing out of his skin. And while kind of it's kind of a make hay while the sunshine sort of situation with him, I think just keep playing him, keep playing him, especially now if unfortunately it looks like Prendergast might be injured for a while. Yeah, you mentioned Greg McGrath. Talk about welcome to welcome to professional rugby for Connacht. <laughs> Fucking uh, last few minutes against Munster and Tobin. So yeah, but no, hundred percent. It's amazing that like that number one jersey we singled out before the season started has been like you know we expected Duggan to start most games and it's actually become sort of a couple of jer- a couple of lads are going to put their hand up, which is great. And we still have Sam Elo to come back in as well, and if you know potentially so. And to um, Tumanga. T- yeah, whenever he arrives over too. Oh, yeah. So like it's it's amazing how that kind of turns out. Actually, but... I was speaking to this with uh, Corey while we were watching the match, and I was kind of she was asking because uh, she'd be interested in how Duggan's getting on. And I just said like you know we would have thought that he was a starter, but actually I think they're managing it really well because the last thing you want to do with two promising young props is run them into the ground because you're missing a, ma- a player. So the alternating between them, giving them weeks off, you know they both had injuries in the past. It's I think it's really smart managing of two props. And it's keeping them both hungry because I think they've both played like really well anytime they played this season. So, you know, having that but not giving them burnout is it's great for both of them and it's such good experience for the two of them and it's it's gonna keep them both hungry. Yeah, before we I want to talk about Munster's performance. Before we get into that, Westy, we saw I think I would say twenty seconds, no, but let's give it a minute that really sums up Connor rugby. It was Shane Delahunt kicking a fifty twenty two. Uh, which was incredible. He was pumped up. He was. I saw him turn to this, the you know the bench. He was loving life, and then immediately throws it in crooked and gives away a penalty. That's <laughs> th- that is the. Oh, it's just the beautiful. It's beautiful, isn't it? You just couldn't really wrap it up. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't know how you want to describe it. Is it? Is it kind of being a bit high on your own supply for a couple of seconds where like you, you know, it's totally understandable. Like you think you're kind of. You've just done something great, and now this is the easy part, you know. There's the tricky part as a, as a front row forward, as a hooker, to kick a fifty way too. And then it's like, oh, this is my bread and butter. I just throw it in. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I think I, he, might, he might have got so confident he was doing like a no look throw. You know, <laughs> he was just he was just he was just feeling himself. You he know? was still like looking it. at the guys at the bench, like, yeah, yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what was super frustrating about that one in particular was that like Munster didn't even dummy jump. Like there was no one there. Like he could have just thrown it down the middle and there was no contest whatsoever so they're, they're the ones that you're like you know you, you're almost like ah ref like there, there was no one even contesting for that one so how is it unfair but no you have to you have to give it uh it is one of those it is one of those rules or laws that uh, i think is it's it's hit and miss whether or not refs call it because there's one or two other ones in the same game for both sides that just doesn't get called so you know i, I think consistency is something we will come to talk about later on but uh 
yeah it was so frustrating at the time it was so frustrating because what a moment what a turn like for him to catch their lineup because like you said and i said nine marie was just so integral to messing up their lineup that they actually got the jitters and were just overthrown and underthrown everything for fear of it being taken and that that probably is a hangover from the last time we played them in thoman as well so for that moment to just be taken away because of a missed throw it's just so frustrating and so typically connect yeah, hundred percent. We have to. I think we have to give credit to you know Diaval Senegal. Like, there's a lot of a lot of malls at Munster. Never they you know again a few couple of yards, but they were stopped briefly. The lineup looks a, a lot more solid. It scrums again. Like you know, when it comes to Munster, you don't want you don't want your scrum to be you know you're never going to dominate them. But just holding solid and getting the ball back if it's our you know our put in like on there as well, just keeping it solid. It's been such an improvement from last year, which is fantastic to see. So credit to him on that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I want to. Sorry, sorry Monster. There was twice or so it looked like Monster were really trying to get a scrum penalty, and kind of just stood there. It wasn't moving backwards, it wasn't moving forwards, it wasn't collapsing, it wasn't going up. And I think that frustrated Monster because one of the ways teams get dominant these days is not their their scrum is winning their scrum, is that their scrum is winning the penalties, and then they're going down the pitch, and that wasn't happening for them. Even though they were getting the ball back and they were getting perfectly good ball for Casey to do whatever he wanted with because the scrum wasn't moving it frustrated them because they weren't able to get that upper hand through the penalties and that's part and parcel of the scrum game these days I think that's part of what happened leading up to Jack Arthie's try is that it's they clearly aren't planning to use the ball you know it, it goes out to the box and uh, Carberry hesitates and Carthy pounces you know it's um as Sam said like they from the scrum game they were expecting penalties that and credit where credit is due to Clans pack like it, they didn't give them away Brilliant, yeah, a hundred percent. And you, you, you made a good point there. You nice segue, Westy. We'll talk about Munster's performance. And Carberry obviously is the, the you know the kind of headline grabber, whatnot. He had two great kicks at the end. The man is not confident on the rubber pitch at the moment. It was clear to see. Like the first half, don't get me wrong, there was there was a win coming, but when he was kicking for touch, he was not making a lot of ground and it was purely it seemed like he just didn't want to make a mistake do you know what I mean and when he was that, that Jack Carty is the prime example it, there's a good second of hesitation there where he's just either not sure what to do or he's kind of in between decisions and that's not what is makes him a fantastic rugby player uh, the likes of Gavin Coombs had a very quiet day which you know obviously his Connacht fans were delighted by but that's not going to happen too often. O'Mahony didn't have a fantastic game. Ty Byrne had a couple of great turnovers, but apart from that, didn't really have a huge imprint on the game. Craig Unbelievable Casey, control on the ball, though. That Yeah, well, again, but he also had one of the best jackals I've ever seen. It was half a second and the ball was out. Wow. It was incredible. It was The ball was buried down and he was just like nearly passing it back to fucking Casey. It was... It just sums up the man that he is and the player he is. He's absolutely fantastic. But but Wesley Munster were not good, and it comes obviously a lot from Carberry because he's obviously the general kind of you know patrolling around, and it obviously came from the fact that Connacht's pack really put it up to Munster's pack. So we didn't have a, a lot of you know you know um, a lot of ball to work with at the same time. But the, the Carberry issue is look, the squad's been named this week. It's been over a year, year and a bit now. He's not. He's not back to what he once was. Are we starting to worry about that, or is it still is it still too early? Like, I, I think, I think there's nothing wrong with him necessarily not being back to where he was. You have to remember he was out for what eighteen months. Like you can't like you can't expect him to walk back on the pitch and be the exact same player he was. Like he's also two years older. Players also develop in years, you know, um, injury or not. Like he he would have changed as a player. He would have grown as a player. He you know his his attitude towards the game might have changed a bit. 
Um, I I don't I I wouldn't be that worried. I I I don't think it's a good thing that we're this invested in him coming back so quickly. He needs to be allowed to come back at his pace, and we need to accept the fact that that hasn't necessarily happened yet. But allow him to keep playing. The the key thing for Carberry now is to keep getting game time. Um, and that's the decision Munster have to face. So they want to keep giving that game time and see if he develops. They want to push ahead with Ben Healy. Like the, I mean, I, I'd say they will keep going with, with Carberry. I mean, there's talk already of him moving back to fullback, but should, that's why he went to Munster in the first place, because he didn't want to play fullback at Leinster. Um, I wouldn't be overly worried. And to be honest with you, I think he's still in Ireland squad anyway. So I think he probably should be left to play with Munster for a little bit longer. Um, but unfortunately, too many people have hyped him up for too long that he's probably going to go to the Ireland squad and... Like Sexton's out injured with a hip now. I don't know if he's going to play for Leinster at the weekend. He'll probably still be in the squad as well. So you're going to end up going into this four test series with one not fit 10, one half cooked 10, and then probably some young lad who's not ready for it. So, I mean, it shouldn't be a bad thing that we give him time to develop his game. You hear it. We were talking about it with like Nathan Doak last week. Like there's this mad push to get everyone into the Ireland squad the second they show goes. Like, no, like we should be developing as a player and then once you're at a level move into the Ireland squad and see if you can kick on again from there I've already seen today on Twitter uh, Frawley knocking on the Ireland door well so I, I actually I'd, I'd be invested in that I said last year when you said any signings we could make I thought Connick should look at Frawley I think Frawley has played a good bit more rugby than the other people not at 10 but he's played a lot at 12 for Leinster he's, he's covered He's probably played a good bit more than Harry Byrne. Everyone was desperate to see Harry Byrne in there. And I think Frawley kind of gets, gets branded as a young lad. Uh, he's he's bigger than you kind of think. And I think that he covers both 10 and 12. So even if you had him in the squad uh, for a competitive side of things, for filling out back lines, I think that Frawley would be worth having a look at because I do think he's a fantastic player. I think he would have been, before we made our signings last year, should have been a priority. But I've kind of been told by someone that he had no interest in coming and it had been muted originally when we were looking for backup 10 so uh, I I agree with Westy about giving Joey Carberry time I don't think that should be on Ireland's time and I don't think as Munster fans they're going to put up with it being on Munster time for too much longer either at 10 they're waiting for him to come back to this standard of 10 that actually if you think about it and you look back at his career he's, he's only had in fits and starts he's played a lot more of his successful rugby at 15 and has always been talked about his potential at 10. And he's he's that's been hampered by injury. That's been hampered by not being the starting 10 at uh, Leinster while he was there and then moving to Munster. And I think that, you know, it's it's going to get to a point where Munster will have to make a decision. The fans aren't going to be too happy about it. And they have to make a decision, not use him if he's not up to scratch. Because you said he didn't look confident. I didn't think he looked fit in terms of like, he wasn't getting anything out of his kicks. He was He was hitting touch. 10, 15 yards when he could have been pushing at 30, 40 yards and he didn't look like, and I don't think that's confidence. I think that's like just actually not up to it yet. Uh, his body is taking a long time to adjust back to being a professional rugby player. And that's where the hesitancy comes. That's your mind not working with your body. Uh, that decision to kick in general was poor. Uh, and I thought, you know, I think that he still needs a lot more time before he should be included in Irish squad based on purely his potential because his potential was his potential three years ago. It's not his potential now. We don't know what his potential now is. We have to see more evidence, in my opinion. Yeah, look, well, I, I will say in the first half, there was a, definitely a big headwind from kicking into. So I can see where he's hesitant it might come there, but, but it definitely didn't look like... If you contrast the second half, his kicks versus Jack Carty's kicks in the first half, Jack Carty was getting full-length kicks. Zebo had to 
pull off like a Peter Schmeichel-esque save to stop a 50-22 from his own 22. And Carberry was getting nowhere near that. His kicking off the tee was a good bit more accurate. He scored the winners, you know, it's, he carried hit the post with one from a similar position. But outside of that, like he just, it didn't look like he was pushing it himself at all. Whereas you see the best tens eke out the extra little bit. And I think that, that comes with your body being as confident as your mind. And that, that comes from practice, that comes from time. But if Munster, you know, serious about winning the URC or going far in Europe can't be at 10 on their time. And like you, you can get away with it against some teams, but you won't be able to get away with it against the South African teams and their internationals are back or the six games a season they have in Interpros. It's, it's just, I think that he might end up having to move back to 15 to get the fitness up. Well, it's, it's, it's a tough one because, yeah, do you play him at 15? Do you, do you start Ben Healy, which is obviously not going to do much for his Joey Carberry's conference uh, going forward? Um, you know, a lot of times, well, the people said to get back up to game fitness, you have to play games. So, you know, is he going to get better in training? I think his confidence is going to have to come back from doing impressive stuff in games, which I think we all agree we know he can do. It's just a case of him doing it. But this is the problem with Irish rugby. We all know Sexton's going to be in the squad. We all know Carberry's going to be in the squad come this if if Sexton's not uh, fully injured. But that's the thing. We all know that it's already pre pre you know decided. So that's probably an issue with Irish rugby that we have to address also. But you say we know we can do. We know we could do. He's had two two moments of brilliance really in the. You know, he's been back a short while and then it was the summer and then he's back again. It's it's He's really not put together a string of anything near where he was at. And it's a long time has passed with big injuries. And that, that you know, it's it, horrible to say, but maybe he can't get back. And the potential was there, but we need to reassess that now. And if you start him at 15 to get him game time, you start him ahead of Haley, who I think is a brilliant player. Like, the, he was really good and he's always been impressive when I've watched him. So it's it's a big decision to make from Ireland's point of view because if they're pushing Munster to start him they could be hampering Munster's opportunities and if, if Healy is the informed player he should be starting because Munster have aspirations to do well this year well speaking of those aspirations Munster were really poor on Saturday they were a lot of the stuff that we give out about Connacht their handling was terrible there you know a lot of simple errors that they were making they didn't look fluid they didn't look like they you know kind of had it all together compare contrast that to the week before where they had a a, not a set well second string team when you compare to their actual starting team uh and they absolutely hockeyed scarlets away like they they were really poor on saturday westy this team and maybe you know most fans probably won't be happy to hear this but are they actually good enough to win the urc because i don't think they are um, uh, based off, well, yeah. So first off, like, if I can put my contact on for a second, we're the best team they've played all season, right? So that wasn't going to be the game where they went out and tried to play flashy backs games. They were going to revert to type and play a forwards game. And I think we were quite ready for that. And we have a really good pack ourselves. I even thought during the week, if they were going to be somewhere it was with their pack, because you saw the likes of John Klein and Ty Byrne and Coombs and Clute and, you know, David Kilcoyne, who I... I'm an eternal fan of, um, but they didn't, right? We were able to manage them and contain them. So I think it, it goes back again to the Bulls, right? They were trying to, I don't know the Bulls, was the Stormers. Um, they were trying to play that loose game. It didn't work for them, so they reverted to type. The problem is, yes, they're good enough. They're a good enough team. They're a fantastic team of players, but they're not playing rugby that's going to win them silverware. They're not going to beat Leinster playing that brand of rugby. They've been trying it for 10 years and they've done it once. Um, well, probably more than once. Um, 
they need to develop their game plan as a team a little more. And that's, you know, some people give out like about fans saying we want Munster to play a better brand of rugby. We don't want them reverting back to the old game. And people say, oh, well, they're winning with it. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is that it's it's not going to work when, as Sam said earlier, six of your games are, are the top four teams in the league. Um, or the, sorry, the other top three teams in the league. Um, so, yeah, the two... To weasel out of your question, um, yes, they are good enough, but they're not. They're not playing a dynamic enough game that's going to allow them to do that. Because, as you saw, Connacht do. You know, if you can contain their forwards and their pack, they're not confident enough in that fast flowing backs game just yet to rely on it in the depths. Look at how they scored their try at the end. You know, now that's how you're going to score a try at the end of a game like that because you're going to put it up the jumper and try and barrel over the line. But there wasn't any fear of them scoring a try any other way. Owen, uh, Owen made a good point. Zebo was out in the wing and he was like calling for the ball and Owen goes, he knows he's not getting that ball. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> ne- that is never going anywhere other than the back of the fucking rock. He was completely unmarked out in that wing. It was almost like the Cardiff try that they got where we had no one out defending that winger because we didn't expect him to go out and they threw the big wide one. Zebo was standing there so open. It was crazy. But, uh, yeah, the the monster thing, like I, I've said this for a while now, but like they, it's it's tough for them to fully commit to the new style of play because they know that this current type of play will win them eighty five to ninety percent of their games, and that's tough to let go of. To to win though the European titles that they they think that they should win and the the URC and whatnot, and to beat the likes of these Lancers, they have to play like last year against Toulouse was the the prime example of that. They played a more expansive type of game. The likes of Dale Ende, Sean in that kind of style, and they nearly bet you know the best team in Europe, and it was the best game they played all year. But they know that to do that week in week out, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of change of the, the monster culture. And again, I'm putting up my air quotes there. It's tough to to shy away from eighty five percent, ninety percent win rate when you know that that's that's going to be year in year out. That's tough to give up, I'm sure, as uh, as a team is. But if you want to take that next step, monster, you are going to have to adapt to that more of a expansive style that they have the players for. That backline is obviously the likes of Keith Earls and and the likes of David Goggin coming on and Scanlon are not going to be your 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 you know ultimate starting backline. But you know you've got the likes of Farrell to come back, Dale Ender to come back, Zebo, Haley, uh, Conway. Like that's as good a backline as 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 anywhere. Um, but I think I think that is a good a good amount of the problem with the performance of the weekend from them is like Scanlon Earls like Aki and Arnold I know Earls put a big hit in on Arnold but their job really was just going to be negated by the fact that Aki and Arnold just want to hurt people in tackles they want to hit people as much as possible Uh, and that that puts a lot of pressure on Carberry how much less pressure does Carberry have if he has DLND just outside him than Scanlon you know it's it's it is a big thing for them to be able to play the ball with that back line on a day like that. I didn't think it was happening. And I thought it was actively not happening three or four times. And once they scored from it and the TMO, you know, allowed it, but three or four times, even though like they were, they were trying that chip kick because they were identifying that the space was out wide, but they didn't have the ability to get it out wide with the pace in which Connacht were getting up to it. And I kind of think like, we didn't really acknowledge how good dragons were when they beat us. And we kind of talked about Connick's mistakes, but I think the dragons made Connick make those mistakes and made Connick play poorly. And I think that that was, is the same for Munster at the weekend. I think Munster didn't play well because Connick didn't let them play well because Connick were absolutely relentless. Their defense was so, so quick. You know, there's a lot of people 
saying that there may have been one or two offsides and yeah there may have been and they do happen in games but a lot of them i don't think were offsides a lot of them i think were just stupidly fast lines because like aki and arnold and even porch coming up and you know carty is just defensively a machine this season he's changed his game and he's acknowledged that and he's identified that as an area that farrell wanted him to do it and i think that stopped and negated the back line being able to do anything for monster but once dlende is back once farrell's back you know depending on if it's Carberry in 10 or not. Uh, Murray is a, like an experienced head. I think Casey's probably quicker, but I, I think that the monster will be able to play a good bit more than they were allowed to play that weekend. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, well, we'll talk about, I don't like talking about refereeing decisions, but we're not going to go into too much detail. But I think more of the point to talk about was the fact that it came out today that there's no, I think it was the term refereeing council, refereeing team, basically. That when the manager, they, I think. Is. Manager, yeah. There's no there's no reviewing, basically, of kind of games, potential mistakes. Way, like the, that the Premier League, I know, has, you know, certain certain sports have it, especially professional sports. From what I read today, it, there was a person in the position for the last four or five years who stepped down during the summer and hasn't been replaced, which means for four games this season now, teams have had no kind of way of doing anything about it. Yeah, like uh, for uh, like we've been very complimentary. The URC have done everything's pretty much brilliant so far. The way they've campaigned, the campaign they advertised it, it's a lot better product. This is sort of thing that you know to set yourself really as a professional sport, you really should have this thing because it's a look, it's a human sport. There's going to be errors. Like the, the monster, the Connacht game on Saturday, there was definitely errors. Look at that that try was is offside. No matter how many pages try and make you feel that it wasn't, it's it was offside. It's amazing that. In a try, when a, when a try is scored, literally two phases before that, there's a crossfield kick. It's just not checked. That's the biggest thing. Like that should be checked. That seems fairly obvious, you know, in a sport. Um, stuff like that. The yellow card. Look at Sammy Aaron's yellow card. The head, the clash of heads is accidental, and then the arm comes round and hits in the back of the head. Like, you know, even Owen Harrison was saying that was a harsh yellow at the time. But look at anything that's involved when it comes to hitting heads these days it's probably going to be a yellow card it is what it is I don't really have that big of an issue with that I can see why it's given again it's not the fact that that's given it's the consistency of other games where stuff is not given we saw the example of the Leinster game where a lad comes in basically flying headbutts and there's no card given at all and that's where fans get annoyed it's not necessarily that in certain games there's not calls met it's the fact that you know one thing can happen one team and then in the next game something identical happens it's a different result that's frustrates people in my opinion Wesley is that fair to say yeah and just like on the Sammy Arnold thing like it's interesting because uh, uh, you know uh, I think that he gets the yellow card because he doesn't put himself in a realistic position to make a tackle he doesn't dip like he stays up at his body height so unfortunately if you give the ref that picture that's just what's going to happen to you the funny thing I was thinking of if he did dip about three inches that's going to be a pretty heavy shoulder to the head of the attacking player. So, um, so we're so saying Sammy actually did a duty of care. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just I'm just saying that it's a it's a it's a tricky situation because he's being tackled, right? Um, but like I, I fully accept the yellow card because Sammy Arnold was not in a in a body position that painted a good picture. So unfortunately, right or wrong, you've made it look like you're um, you've made it look bad for yourself in that regard. Um, you're hundred percent right with the tie burn thing, like. It's not even that it, it like let's say they reviewed it and they gave the try and said his back foot was just about behind it. We'd be a little bit happy about it, but I honestly think kind fans would go, okay, it's a try, you know, whatever. The, it's the fact that it wasn't checked. When you when you look back at the other tries, the uh, the Mac Hansen try that was this loud, it, it was a 
passed forward by Taylor Halloran. But of course, that went right back and was checked. When Keen Pendergrass made the break, it was pulled back and it was like, no, no, that was, you know, there was a forward pass. But it's the fact that it's not checked, you know, Munster home team. It's, it's, it's not checked. They checked, for some reason, they checked Ty Byrne volleying the ball just because they wanted to see it in slow motion, but not to actually see if anything was done wrong. Um, so, yeah, and look, as you said, there's always going to be inconsistencies in a game where, uh, players are marginally offside, or where Sam was talking about about the rooks earlier on, where players weren't necessarily releasing, but they were playing on for a lot of it. When it builds up to a try, it's a completely different situation, always. And everyone knows that. Even if you don't want to admit it, you know that when it's a try, everything should be checked. And maybe it was checked, but it obviously didn't appear Absolutely to us. wasn't checked, yeah. because he was allowed to kick it within 30 seconds. The thing, like, I've heard a couple of people suggest that maybe it was checked, but the TV didn't get the feed but they can't be checked that quickly because yeah. like, even when they were analyzing at a half time, it took them three or four attempts to get an angle to see it. So there's no way anyone is checking that and allowing the kick to happen. It was, it was, it was crazy because even if they weren't checking that there, there should have been some sort of check on the grounding. The ref was nowhere near it to confirm whether or not it was grounded correctly at all. And there was no, there was no delay for our TMO. It was, it, it really made no sense to me. And then you look at how, intricately they look at the arnold one and the mac one and then you know uh, there was a high tackle that was missed and then there was like prendergast was whistled whereas i think if something like that is questionable you should let it play on and then look back at it i think that that's kind of the way that people would prefer is kind of give the benefit of the doubt and then look back at it it's it's just it's it's such inconsistency and it's so often and you know friend came out and spoke about how Connacht rarely get the, the rub of the green with the 50-50s and I tend to believe him but that's probably from an aggrieved Connacht fan point of view but you know Bernard Jackman spoke about it last year other pundits have spoken about it uh, Argentina had the same qualm with when they were playing the All Blacks is you know sometimes there's preconceived kind of notions about teams you know being more dominant up front like Leinster which means that essentially they just don't get scrutinized by refs and I do believe that that happens I believe that kind of teams are given the like Asher, they're dominant up front, so they're probably doing it all right. Whereas, like you saw last year, Leinster were allowed to just fall wherever they wanted in around the five meter. There was a head clash in the Leinster game that was way worse than anything that anyone who's been sent off in the last year, probably included, has done. And it wasn't given anything because it was suddenly mitigation and the ball wasn't there. But we were led to believe that head on head collisions like that were supposed to be looked at. So it is just a real lack of consistency throughout the entire league. And I flagged it when we had our league preview. You said, What, what? are you worried about with the league? And I said, I'm only worried about the product which they have created, which is so good being ruined by substandard refereeing. Like I've, I've watched the premiership. I watched some top 14. I've watched a lot of super rugby and I just, I don't ever feel like the ref is as much a feature in those games. They make wrong decisions. Yes. But I just don't think that they're that much of a feature because I don't think they're that inconsistent. I think that there's a, there's a style book they work towards and they're probably more accountable. I think that they're upskilled a bit better in the premiership. I know that they let go of refs that they feel aren't good enough or they, they relegate them for a couple of weeks. And that just doesn't happen in the pro 14. We regularly get refs two, three weeks in a row that have you know done something wrong and you're kind of, you're dreading the game that weekend. And that's, that's not just us. There's lots of monster fans. I've seen dreading certain refs going to ref them going, Oh, not Ben Whitehouse and oh, not Frankie Murphy. And, it's just across the board and they shouldn't be such a key feature of every game. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be the ref's name should not be on anyone's lips. And it's just, unfortunately is all the time. But rugby is in a unique position where they have 
they have all the tools for the for the refs to be the best in in world sport. You have the respective players. You you have no back chat. You have no abuse. You have uh, a TMO. You've got video replay. Like you have everything at your disposable to make as le- like you're never gonna be perfect. But like a soccer referee is getting absolute, you know, shouted at left, right, and center, trying to get change his mind. GA refs have no, you know, in a in a normal league game for GA, the umpires are from the club, the local club. Like so, there's gonna be biases everywhere. Like you know, r- professional rugby has should have the best refereeing in the world because of all the tools I just mentioned. But yet, especially in Northern Hemisphere, well, Southern Hemisphere possibly too, but it's just it's just frustratingly inconsistent. And that's, again, if you're going to make laws and people disagree with the laws, that's one thing. But if they're consistently refed and that's the rules and that's the laws, then eventually it becomes the fault of the player for constantly breaking that law. And that's different. That changes everything. So, like I said, we're not going to get... Look, it was offside. It was like... I have to say, like, Munster fans, were, they went out of their way to try and prove that it was an offside. Oh, Munster fans, it's okay to say that he's got away with one. That's okay. You don't have to be, like, holier than now. Like, that your team was incapable of making this, like, mistake or gotten away with one. It's okay to say that you got away with one. Owen was saying it that they got robbed in the first half. And that's totally fine. Connacht fans, like, look, every 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 team has a selection of fans that are ridiculous and, you know, will just constantly biased towards their own team. And I'm including Connacht in that. That's completely, yeah, Sam, exactly. But it's okay to say that he's got to, he's don't have to prove that Munster, or God forbid Munster would do something wrong. You know My what favorite like, new like, one is... Um, when people are, you know, under comments and stuff, people are like, yeah, but she lost four, three out of four anyway. It's like, ah, so you can't even argue the result now. Just argue that we're shit. So yeah. We don't deserve oh, yeah. So we're we salty fans. Yeah, we're salty fans. Is because, There's, oh, because we just don't agree with you, basically. Yeah. Or, or what about her, where it's like, you know, the, the offside and then suddenly there's a load of people going, well, what about the time when he was grabbed onto him at the Rook 20 minutes later? It's like, it's, it's you know, we're, we admit that there are, issues but it's like when it is a try scored because of an infringement and there is a capability of a TMO going back and looking at it like the other week when Connacht had it where you know Jared Butler was telling the ref that he was offside he said I can't look at it and it was like they'd ended up kind of getting a try off the next scrum like those those sort of things like they can be looked at TMOs exist they decide to show their head all the time for things and look at things in massive amounts of detail like the Mac Hansen one and then they don't do it. It's just, it's such a horrible inconsistency that wrecks my head. And like you said, you can say got away with one there and be happy about the win. Like it's Monster eked out a win. Monster did what Monster did well. And they got the win at the end. They came from behind, you know, it wasn't the deciding try in the game, but it was a try in the game. And you can still say you got away with one. Yeah. It's just like, they, the, you know, again, this is only now the the minority, like, like, but like, We've seen it the last couple of days on Twitter now. It's been like a cesspit of, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, we, no, it was on. Like, it's just like, it's unnecessary. It's okay. He's got away at one. It's rugby. It's sport. It's life. You know, the day the day that was in it with accident, like, if sport isn't that big. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's things bigger than sport. It's okay to say that he's got away at one. You, you know, like, just let it go. Do you think, though, I actually was thinking about this, because the last three, maybe four games between Connacht and Munster, definitely the three Thoman ones, and then the one in sports ground last year, were all within a score. Uh, they've become really cagey, feisty affairs, not just on the pitch where there has been the likes of Sammy Arnold, Wooten last year, Oliver wanting to put it up to the old team and really like bring in a lot of heat. Uh, players, you know, fisticuffs, it's happened a good few times. The refs have said, yeah, has to calm down or yellows are coming. But the fans have jumped on that as well. And I think that it's come 
quite a bitter rivalry like and you know it's it's something that's definitely existed between the provinces before but it used to be you used to kind of get under the skin of the Leinster fans and like uh Fitzy was on his podcast talking about how he hates Connacht and how all the Leinster fans hate Connacht but I think Munster I think Munster Connacht is becoming a rivalry there's like a proper grudgeness there at the moment and it's partially down to the fact that I don't think Munster are as good as they think they are and they're almost not as good as Leinster like nowhere near the same bracket as Leinster and not happy that they're kind of being put to the sword by Connacht who they deem to be a lesser team and it's it's really making everything a bit feisty Sam, that's unfair to say about Munster. They have so many trophies in the last couple of years. Oh, sorry. No, never mind. No, I'm just poking fun, Munster fans. Relax. No, Munster, Munster players, like Munster the kings of being cynical. And I mean this in a compliment. Like, I would love if Connor were more cynical. Like, Clote is always pushing people off the ball after, you know, they say I win a penalty. Casey's a little niggly little fecker too. Like, he's always pushing people. O'Mahony, who's my favourite Irish player ever, is, an uh, like, aggravating to towards people. Jack O'Donoghue's just angry at the world all the time. Like, you know, they have these players that, like, are going to be niggly. So, like... To act surprised then when t- teams kind of fight back, you're like, okay, but like you, start, you know, you get, you understand what's happening here. But look, we've talked enough about that. We've talked enough about refereeing. As I say, I'm, I'm not going to spend podcast talking about refereeing because it's just not fun. Um, we will look ahead, uh, Westy. Uh, actually, no, we'll talk briefly about this before we go because we've been asked to talk about it. Sammy Arnold, who we've spoken about, sort of lash back at certain monster pages uh, on Twitter. Um, it's sort of it's you know it's kind of brought up the debate should players go back and forth between media look this is my two cents on it like that matters look at Sammy Arnold um, you know can come under certain criticism from Monster fans and all that what I get annoyed about is when us like and I say us as in like these Twitter pages who comment constantly on players performances games whatnot, we get then offended if they come back at us that doesn't really seem logical do you know what I mean? So, like, I don't think... I I will say this. I, I don't think Sammy should lower himself to talk back to us. Again, I'm talking about profiles and stuff. Because you're the professional player. You're the one who's won at life. We're the lads talking about your, you playing. So, don't lower yourselves to our standards. But then don't be annoyed if they also come back and say, Hey, I disagree with that. Then you're like, Oh, oh, me? Oh, a little old me? I'm sorry. You know, it's... Uh, we don't have to go into too much detail about this, but Westy, do you have Westy? Have you even seen this? Have you been on Twitter in the past four days? Uh, I'd actually checked Twitter while I was logging onto my computer uh, to to, uh, to join this. So yeah, I did. No, I think um, I think it goes back to you should never say anything about somebody you wouldn't say to their face. You know, if you're going to say X Y Z about the Connacht match, then somebody who played that match has the right to come back to you and say uh, you don't know what you're talking about, mate. Um, whether it's uh, unbecoming for someone to do that, I don't know. But that's up to whoever. I reading what Sammy said. I think it's pretty respectable. He actually says we'll draw a line under it. Um, but yeah, I think I think if you're going to climb, gift was was that was uh, pretty funny. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. Um, if you if, if you're going to say something about a, a team, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't walk up to the Connacht players after the game and be like, "He was onside." They're like, "No, he fucking wasn't. We were on the pitch. We know he wasn't onside." Um, so you can't be then annoyed when they come back at you. And if they're not overly happy, but now this wasn't, as far as I know, wasn't a personal critique. But if you're going to personally critique somebody, you they have every right to retaliate to you. Um, I would say that the, the point is to maybe take the moral high ground as well. You can defend yourself and say, right, this is my two cents. I'm not going to engage you anymore. Goodbye. 
Um, but yeah, I don't think, I, of course, they have every right to defend themselves, you know? I th- I, yeah, I agree with that. Sam? Yeah, I think if you're like we are here on Master None, pushing a product, trying to get as many followers and interactions as possible by speaking candidly about games, by tweeting during them, by putting up footage, by debating like we are right now instances in the game, you know, that that is you're promoting engagement and that engagement is going to be both positive and negative. And I think that Sammy Arnold had every every reason to engage if he wanted to in the way that he is. And he called your man a clown. He said what he said. And that's, you know, that's fair enough. There's these, these people are, like you said, scrutinized constantly by people like us who absolutely know nothing. Like none of us are in any way experts. That's part and parcel of why we enjoy doing this. And one of the things we've been complimented on about it. But uh, like, I think that players, you know, players engage and if players don't engage, they're, they're deemed to be media trained robots. So, you know, like, I think that, that that's the type of passion I kind of want to see from them. And I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a good reaction to something that I thought your man was kind of clutching at straws by the way he was continuously engaging with. Like last year in the Premier League, VAR couldn't work out whether or not players were on site with all sorts of supercomputers, but he got MS Paint out and drew a line and said that he was on site. Like, I think... <laughs> I think Sammy Arnold had every right to call him the clown the way he did. And, you know, we might get like... It was Photoshop. On. It wasn't MS Paint. Okay. He's <laughs> not paying for Photoshop. <laughs> I don't know. But like, you know, we might get hit back on this for our take on it. But I think that, you know, players engaging with fans is what social media is there for. And you can't always demand it's positive. If you are going to critique things and if you're going to analyze things the way you are, sometimes you're going to get the brunt of it. And I think that that was absolutely fair. And I think it was far more respectful... Uh, like Wesley said from Sammy Arnold, then the people who piled in are trying to allow it to seem. Uh, I think that he said, you know, we draw a line under it. He said, you know, you you have every right to be critiqued if you're going to critique people. So I think that I thought it was interesting. And uh, I, I don't think it's the end of it. I think that other players in the past, English players in particular, have engaged with people on social media a bit more than the Irish players. But I think that it will happen because, you know, it's got to get tiring of it as well. You know, Zebo's often clap back at people, and it's, when he when he does it, it's funny. But you know, it's you made a great point. And I've said this for a long time, and I've defended people um, numerous times over this. We want our sports stars to have personalities and not be robots. The moment they show a bit of personality, we criticize them. Like, why would you ever, as a professional sports star, ever not be boring when this is what happens when you actually? show like a bit of personality like it's just madness but it's one of the things that i know you've been complimented on from like we've had a good number of conic players on uh, and and people involved with conic on and one of the things that they've enjoyed about this podcast and when you're interviewing them or when we're interviewing them with you is that they enjoy how it's it's a bit more candid it's a bit less about the rugby and the technical side of things and they enjoy themselves and that's what i want to see from these sports stars the people that i like the people that i pay to see week in week out I want to see their personalities. I want to see that they're like they're good, enjoyable people. And you want to kind of almost live the idea that you might be able to go have a drink with them because they're not nice guys. And, you know, that's that's one of the benefits of social media. And I think that, you know, with that comes the opportunity to also engage, not in a negative fashion, but in a in a, in a questioning fashion. And that that's going to happen. All I'll say is hashtag Team Sammy. You know, I would want to argue with that man. man Jesus Christ. Who's arguing with him? Like, oh, actually... Earls put a big hit in on him. I was very surprised. I was very impressed with Earls because I did not think Earls and Scandal were going to get anything out of Bundy or uh, Sammy. But uh, Sammy, I think Sammy's class. I, I'm really impressed with him. I was gutted last year when he got the injury uh, and happy and hoping to see a lot more of him. 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, we'll briefly, we'll go on now to look ahead of, um, we're coming up to the hour mark, so we won't hang around too much longer. But Westy, Ulster this weekend, uh, a home game, but it's in the Aviva. Um, obviously, going into it now, one win, four losses uh, is not ideal. We've seen two good performances, two really bad performances out of the four four games. What are you What are you hoping to see from Connacht this weekend? And then are you expecting a win or are you expecting a loss? I think it's tough to say, right? Because again, after we beat the Bulls, what I said was I wanted a consistent performance against Dragons. I didn't necessarily need us to go out there and put five tries on them. I needed us to have a level-headed, consistent performance. So I think we had a pretty measured performance against Munster. So, look, I, I'd love to sit here and say that the performance is all that matters. Um, it is about being competitive with the other provinces. We are in the toughest pool in the league and you know we are well able to compete with these other three three you know rugby powerhouses um but unfortunately as the weeks tick on we need points and i said it last week the best way for us to get points and the best way for us to get european rugby is to take points off the other irish provinces so um look at i'm not saying it's all that matters but we do need to start winning these games we do need to start building points in the league where i want to be 12th 11th at the minute like at least we got a losing bonus point from munster um, this is a home game, so I think the onus is on it that we need to take as many points as possible from it. So I'm not saying a loss isn't acceptable. If we have another really, really good performance and we, we get on a little bit unlucky at the end and lose it, I can live with that. But with one eye on the rest of the season, how many more of those can you, how many more times can you say that? We've already lost too many games in, in the opening four rounds of the season of the season. So yeah, I think. I'd be disappointed if we're, if we're not taking a win from this game against a, a you know a very 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 well coached Ulster team. Yeah, I, I, I agreed. A very a good Ulster team, but I also seem to haven't really set the world on fire yet. Now, albeit not the best competition yet either. So it will be interesting to see how they do get on against Connacht. Uh, Sam, the game is in as I said, Aviva, not in the sports ground. Are you expecting that to be an issue for Connacht? You know, would you rather this game be in the sports ground? Uh. Any other year, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, we're hearing already from the government that the 22nd isn't going to be the full reopening of anything. You know, it, it's it's kind of been banded that that's going to happen and that's going to be the announcement tomorrow, which means that the, the sports ground, you know, we've had 3,000 at our home games so far this season because of what that's the limitations that have been put on the size of our stadium. And that's probably just not good enough for an Interpro in terms of making money back for the team, in terms of building up an atmosphere. It's great to be there. I've loved the two games I've been at so far. But I think that, you know, if it's not fully reopened uh, for the year that's in it, for the financial hit that the club has taken, I think that moving to the Aviva was the right idea. And I do think outside of when we played Ulster and Munster and the Aviva uh, behind closed doors last year uh, coming out of lockdown, like this is the first time kind of played in the Aviva and that could be something big for them. It could be, you know, a motivation, especially kind of an almost siege mentality, having lost in the circumstances we did this week, having lost one or two other games and been questioned by, uh, being questioned by the kind of media, you know, are they able to do it? I think that it, it could, it could really push on. Uh, and like you said, Ulster have won, uh, they've won all four of their games so far, but I haven't seen Ulster fire, like they can and what and the potential they have uh they've got some brilliant players you know hume is excellent uh timony is like if you can keep him down i think you can keep a lot of what they do really really well down but 
you know, they weren't questioned at all by the Lions there at the weekend. You know, they, they put up 26-10, but the Lions had two or three really big breaks and like a five-minute patch of play. But yeah, I think uh, I think Connacht just go into the game and play at the standard they played at against Munster. And they might not come out with a win because Ulster are a very, very good team with a lot of really, really good players and great coaching setup. But I think that if they play like that, I know it's going to look bad in terms of your your overall standing in the league and your scores and stuff. But I think that, you know, like we said, the Dragons and the, the Cardiff games, they're the games that you win. Uh, the Munster and the Ulster, we have to play the Interpros. We have six of them and we have four South African teams a year. We have a really, really hard set of fixtures. But I think if you can play like that against Ulster, come close, really show what you can do. And then, like Harty said, that set that as the benchmark and then go out and prove to people that you're not inconsistent. Go out and prove to people that you can put that 9 out of 10 in. I think that that's good enough for me and the proof of being the put in six games from now. Uh, if we lose it and then just falter or if we lose it close and play really well and then just can't get up for the next game after that, then that's where you feel a bit let down. But, you know, it's, it's so hard to say you require a win from an Interpro because just Ulster, Leinster and Munster are such strong teams, you know, and... It's really making this year difficult for us. Yeah, Connacht was what we said the most consistent, inconsistent team um, in the league. Um, I was going to talk about the Irish ten jersey, but I think we'll actually leave that to next week because the squad gets named this week. So I think we'll we'll uh, we'll touch on it then. And um, I think we all want Jack to be in. I think did we really cover Jack uh, and how good he was this on Saturday? Or did we Don't miss think that? any amount of talking could cover how good he was on Saturday. Yeah, the be- the, the the most important thing Jack was the best ten on the pitch by a country mile on Saturday. Whether that will be taught about when it comes into selection, we don't know. And if Sexton isn't injured, it's going to be Sexton Carby, and then it's probably going to be the third person, either Billy Burns, Ross Byrne, Harry Byrne, whoever. Um, and that's kind of frustrating. But it is great to see Jack playing incredibly well. You know, at the press conference during the week, you know, he said he was feeling confident in himself. He said that he feels like he's been playing really well. Um, obviously the week before against Dragons wasn't his best game but you know over the last year year and a bit he's put in some really standout performances in big games against the likes of Munster Leinsters and Ulsters uh, and I think that should be you know kind of should should stand to him but we will see I think the uh, Dragons thing was was more of an overall team issue than necessarily you know it's easy to, well, if we single out one moment of Jack Carthy's you know which was we thought was if he had a decision over again maybe he wouldn't make it Um I'll caveat this by saying that I don't think any of the Irish 10s are in particularly great form at the minute, but even with the Dragons game put in, I, I do genuinely think Jack Carthy is playing the best out of the, the Irish 10s. And I will say that, you know, we've been disappointed by Carberry. Billy Burns hasn't been outstanding. Harry Byrne is injured. Johnny well, yeah. um, Sexton's going for scan on his hip and is 100 years old. Um and you know Ross Byrne is now deemed to be a little bit too conservative. So, um, yeah, but Healy can kick it from ninety-five yards. So get him in. Even even Jared Gilroy today and off the ball said that Carty is number two. Ooh. Even Jared Gilroy. Jesus, the end is. I think good. someone was holding a gun to his head. I'm not sure it was. I love a shot. how he's now jumped on the bandwagon of God. Why was Carty so mistreated when he was the one leading the charge two years ago? Yeah, <laughs> they also they brought up the they said like, oh, you know, is it the World Cup that holds Jack back in this Irish selection? And then like two minutes later, be like, they shouldn't even bring up the World Cup with talk about Jack anymore. It's unfair. You brought it up in the start <laughs> of the segment. Like this is the point we make. Jesus. Uh, this has been a frustrating part. It's good though. I feel better after. Um, Much like the game at the weekend, like it was enjoyable but frustrating. 
Yeah, it was. It was. I, and a lovely date with Owen. And, you know, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. You know, second date, it's always nice if you yeah, can get it. Yeah, we second date up the sports ground. Bring your raincoat. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. He said, he did say that. He's like, oh, I don't know if the wife will buy, will buy into me going away for the night. You know what I mean? At least he came <laughs> home the other night. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But next time, next time you meet him, you have to wear women's perfume. So he goes home smelling the perfume. I always wear women's perfume. So it's fine. <laughs> That's fair. I always, I always smell so good. Uh, we'll wrap up there, boys. Yeah, thanks for listening as always. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to recap Ulster game, and we'll talk about Irish squad going into uh, the autumn uh, league, autumn nations league, whatever the hell's called, uh, and we can do some more Irish coverage. But until then, boys, appreciate it as always, and we'll chat you next week. Talk to you later next week. Bye.